Hey guys, this is Brutal Bob Evans from Hangs with Bob Seminars and TheWrestleLife.com, and you are listening to Wrestling with Entertainment, one of my favorite podcasts in the whole wide world. What's up, everybody? This is Gold Girls and Glory, Bam Bam Malone, and you're listening to Wrestling with Entertainment. Hey, this is the top guy, Griffin McCoy, representing Young, Dumb, and Broke and Punk Star Posse. And you're listening to Wrestling With Entertainment. Hello, 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 and welcome to the show at Wrestling With Entertainment. Bringing you the latest exclusive breaking news, previewing and reviewing the latest shows from WWE, AEW, New Japan, everything in between every Saturday, and interviewing all your favorite wrestlers every Wednesday on YouTube and CastBox. Sponsored by Rogue Energy. Use promo code Wrestling to eat and set off your next purchase. I am, of course, your host, James J. Alongside Coleco Yachts, who's running a little late today, but who is actually on time, Scooter Dust. I keep looking for my mother in law's killer, but nobody will do it. And it's a great day for wrestling, because we are wrestling with the White Kana, Young Kata, the New Hook, Tough Guy, Boy Boy, Griffin, McCoy. Hey, what's up? This is Griffin McCoy. How are you, Griffin? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, you know, just been wrestling a lot recently, wrestling at places like uh, JCW, Jersey Championship Wrestling, Hybrid Wrestling, you know, uh, hopefully the borders open up soon so I can go back to Canada, maybe go over to the UK. But, uh, but yeah, you know, just been doing a lot of wrestling recently, which has been really fun. And what, what do you got coming up? Coming up, so this weekend, I'm, uh, well, I'm just kind of with the stairs. But uh, so this weekend, the 28th of August, I'm going to uh, NCW. It's in West Virginia. Ooh. I'm returning there. Yes, yes. That'll be fun. Um, what else have I got coming up? I know I'm going to be back for hybrid wrestling when they come back in August. Uh, I mean, September. And I'm going to have to actually pull up my calendar right now. Uh, I know in September as well, I'm wrestling for Invictus Wrestling. It's going to be me and my partner, Charlie Tiger. We're in a tag team match for a tag team title tournament. So I know we're about to win those straps, which is going to be fun. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, those are like the immediate things I got going on right now. And where can we find uh, you on social media and your merchandise? Uh, social media, I'm on both Twitter and Facebook. And uh, Instagram, both at the Griffin McCoy, all one word. Uh, for my merchandise, you can obviously just hit me up through either my social media platforms, or you can email me at griffin.mccoysf at gmail.com. And you don't even need to look for those handles. All the the links to those uh, websites will be in the description of the video below, both on YouTube and Castbox. Now, you come from 
uh, CCW, and you recently worked for GCW as well. Can you tell us about your relationship with them? With uh, CCW and GCW? Yes. So CCW is where I started training. I started training there uh, like a month after my 18th birthday, which is like November 2018, around that time. Uh, I did a couple shows before that, been around wrestling, but it was like the first time I ever like committed to a school and started training. But uh, yeah, I started training there like a few months uh and then i got like my first opportunity on a main show and uh the first time they ran house of independence in asbury park new jersey uh which a lot of companies have ended up running at and i just wrestled there this weekend twice for uh global syndicate wrestling they just ran a couple shows but um but yeah i started training there started getting on the main show a little bit just like random opportunities started doing the dojo wars uh the dojo wars system but uh, eventually, uh, I ended up joining Young, Dumb, and Broke. And uh, the funny thing is, uh, it was so me and the other guys in Young, Dumb, and Broke were all uh, we're all best friends, like in real life. Uh, you know, we all actually have like been friends before wrestling. You know, uh, we met Jordan like through like wrestling a little bit, but we were all friends before we ever got into wrestling. Um, so we all were training at CZW at the time, which led to us being put into the group of Young, Dumb, and Broke. And from there, we debuted back at the House of Independence. It was like the second time it's ever been, that place has ever been run at. And uh, that's when Young, Dumb debuted. It was Jordan versus Rich Swan, More like Young, Dumb versus Rich Swan, because we all beat him up. But, <laughs> but yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so we did that and that kind of started the journey of Young, Dumb and Broke. We've been traveling the roads ever since, you know, crossing state lines, crossing country borders. And uh, eventually, uh, GCW was like already kind of running at the time. Of course, they did the infamous run-in on CCW at uh, Cage of Death. That was my first ever Cage of Death I like, helped out at. And uh, they just kind of pulled up, which was like super crazy. But uh yeah from there we've like you know we've always had kind of like a close you know we've always been on the radar of gcw but uh you know eventually i don't know when it started i know jordan started wrestling for gcw he actually he debuted at the house of independence in like a scramble match but um but yeah we've always been kind of hanging around like lurking uh causing trouble around gcw uh I know we got our first team debut on GCW at, uh, it was called The World on GCW. It was run out of the Voltage Lounge in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And that was like the day before like quarantine and lockdown, like, like literally the day before everything got locked down. So it was like, one of the la I think it was like the last wrestling show that ran before like, you know, global pandemic shut the entire world down. So. But yeah, debuted there and uh, we've been like wrestling on like, you know, within the GCW universe, I would say, like obviously like hybrid wrestling, Jersey Championship wrestling, right. done a little bit more GCW, it all like kind of falls into that same umbrella. So we've been partnered with them ever since, you know, wrestling all the other young guys and, uh, you know, making our way up that car, making our name throughout the world and throughout the country. Oh. That's me. You have a question. Yes, and of course, uh, I love the shout out to 
Asbury Park. I'm myself. I'm right across the water in New York City. I came up and trained through the NYWC. Yeah, nice. with 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 um, with Matt Cardona, John Silver, Alex Reynolds, and those guys. Oh, not uh, Matt Cardona, man. <laughs> I, I, I like I like all those other guys, but Matt Cardona, I don't know about that guy, Chief. I don't think Scooter was too sore about him back then either. <laughs> so he <laughs> understands. <laughs> Uh, well, we saw more. We saw more of Brian than we did of Matt. So, uh, okay, okay. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Going by your Instagram page, at this point in time, you were supposed to compete in the UK for LDN. Is that correct? Yes, I was supposed to be over there. I was supposed to be over there, like right now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, everything's just been so crazy with the whole process. Uh, big shout out to LDN Wrestling, though. They've been super helpful with me with everything, super understanding. The entire time we've been trying to get this thing together, there's been like, you know, the country's been locked down and they'll lift the restrictions a little bit and they'll put them back on. And then, you know, I'd cancel, I'd either confirm or cancel by a certain date so I can get like, you know, my money back, I guess. And mm-hmm. by the time uh, that date rolled around, the country still had its full lockdown, full restrictions. And I think they might have lifted them, but uh, but at this point it was like too late, you know, for the flight. So I, I ultimately had to pull out, like, it was literally like the last minute decision the day of, before my flight had get canceled and nothing had changed. So. You know, it was, uh, I really wish I was over there, but I'm, I'm so certain I will be back. Hopefully by next spring to summer that things will be like totally normal over there. Or not totally normal, but you know, as normal as can be at this point. Right. All right. Uh, I'm just moving with a little follow-up question here. You, of course, as we said, you come from CZW, infamous for the, the Dojo Wars. Now, on Wrestling with Entertainment, we kind of abide by Cage Match's match database. You know, it's not perfect, but it's what we have to work with. <laughs> and, I don't think they like me very much. Uh, well, something very interesting is that your third match ever as a part of CZW was a mixed tag match. With Layla Hirsch, who is undoubtedly a a big name in women's wrestling, but your your opponents. Well, I'm only going to mention your male opponent was the one and the only the owner of CCW and and the 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 head guy in charge, DJ Hyde. Yes. How did that feel? being relatively new to the business and all of a sudden one of your first matches is against not only the owner of the company, but a man who has one of the most storied and violent reputations in the history of deathmatch wrestling. So that match... So I wrestled DJ Hyde, I think, a week before that on my first match at Dojo Wars. 
Because I think my first match ever for CZW was a scramble for Asbury Park. And then I debuted on Dojo Wars after that against DJ. And so I wrestled him one-on-one the week before. So the second, so that next time, it wasn't as bad because I knew what to expect. But the first time I wrestled him was a week before that. And I was absolutely crapping my pants because, uh, you know, I've been a fan of CCW since I was like 13. Uh, actually, me, Ellis, and Charlie were all like, we're all local to the Philadelphia, New Jersey area. So we would always go to CCW like at their live shows. And so like we were fully aware of like who GJ Hyde is, of everyone on the roster, what CCW is about. But it just so happens it's the closest school to us. So, you know, long story short, like I was absolutely, I knew well aware of what I was in for. And, you know, luckily I survived that first match. But then the second one was DJ and Layla. And, uh, I know Layla for like a little bit at this point, you know, like maybe a few months. And like the first time I ever saw her and talked to her, uh, I realized she was going to be like a superstar one day. I think everyone comes to that assumption when they meet Layla for the first time. They're like, oh, she's a superstar. Like, I know not. But but it was interesting to be at that position, like third match in CCW, second match on Dojo Wars. Like, I'm wrestling, you know owner of CZW, DJ Hyde, and then versus <laughs> paired with, you know, with Layla and uh, to see where she's at now. It's, it's super crazy. Cause you know, we both trained together. We both came up together. Like it is wild to see where she is at as of right now. Like she has, like, you know, she's a, she's on TV every week. She's a, you know, she's a bona fide wrestling superstar. She's an icon to be honest, which is a, uh, you know, super awesome experience to be able to, wrestle dj and layla in like one of my first matches all right now going back to you know the pandemic part um how has the pandemic era wrestling affected your wrestling and you know wrestling in front of no crowd and now you know ultimately having the crowd return so when the pandemic first hit, uh, especially like impacting wrestling, it was very difficult. I mean, not the most difficult because, you know, I would say 95% of wrestlers go through a phase in their life where they are wrestling for like four people in the crowd, you know? And uh, so I was kind of used to it somewhat, but then there'd be days where there's just like nobody. It's just studio tapings. There's just the people filming it, you know, referee, ring announcer, commentary table, camera guys. And, uh, like, to be kind of just thrust in those situations and be like, all right, you got to wrestle right now, was, uh, it's certainly, like, it certainly mentally uh, toughened me up, I guess. You know, because you don't have, like, the hype of the crowd. You don't have their energy. You just have to go there and just be purely like locked in on a mental aspect you don't have the luxury of having a crowd bring you that energy bring you that life you have to pull that out of yourself and for a wrestling match like wrestlers will understand how difficult that is but uh but you know just for like to the normal person who's never like trained or never like wrestled they 
they don't understand like how tough that can be to right. be locked in and to even block out the paint. You know, like it is it is not easy to be a wrestler. Like there is people can say whatever they like. If you have stepped between those four, you know, that four-sided circle, like you know that wrestling is a hundred percent real. And to have no fans to like give you that adrenaline, give you that energy, you feel everything in that ring. So just now where fans are coming back, it has certainly made wrestling a lot easier, in my opinion at least. I would have totally imagined that. Oh <laughs> uh, sorry. Well, oh what? Oh sorry, I, I didn't hear that last part. No, I said I could imagine that it's, you know, oh, great yeah. to have the crowd back and, you know, have that reaction to what you're doing. Yes, definitely. Now, uh, you, uh, I know at um, the We Want Wrestling, which is CCW, they had, you know, like uh, the wrestlers chanting and cheering and kind of filling that in. Did that help somewhat or was it like kind of... You know, I know that this is kind of like piping in noise, so to speak. Um, so, you know, I, obviously for the We Want Wrestling, they did that. And, like, I've been, like, several places where they have done, like, the other wrestlers as, like, part of the crowd. And that, those, that's the toughest crowd to have. You know, like, the other wrestlers, like, watching your matches and stuff like that because, uh, you know, other wrestlers, like, while they know, like, all right, we need to, like, pipe in some noise. Well, you definitely know that, but they don't want to give you that reaction. They don't want to admit that either you're doing well. They'll, they'll be glad to boo you, but <laughs> when you're doing well, it's a lot harder for them to, like, want to react positively. So I like to take it as a challenge of, like, all right, like – I have to be so good that I got to impress these other wrestlers, you know, like I'm definitely in there to win, but I also know that like, Hey, like, you know, I need to pull out some stuff that's going to impress these other wrestlers. Cause they, you know, they've seen it all or they do it all. And, you know, they're a harder audience to get, you know, involved with your match. So if you can get them to bite and them to, you know, be invested in what you're doing, like, that's when you know you're doing something pretty good. All right. Uh, Scooter, you have a question. Yes. Now, in going over your, your, your match history, anytime we have someone who has competed with certain, certain people, on the independent circuit, I have to ask what that experience is like. And you have competed with, and I believe also against Gregory Iron. I and I have to ask what that experience was like because I myself come from a background of working with the differently abled, and I'd have to, I have to believe that in working with him with the adversity he overcomes every day in that ring and outperforms you know, 
most of you know the talent we see today has to be a big confidence booster. So what was working with Gregory Iron like? Uh, it was, you know, working against Gregory Iron. Like that whole night was, because uh, that was the uh, World on GCW night where it was a six man with me, Alice and Charlie versus 440 with Gregory Iron, Atticus Kogar, and, uh, oh my gosh, Eddie Only. And, uh, you know, I've known about Gregory Iron, like, since I was a fan too. So that was another moment of like, like, oh, wow, like I get to, I get to wrestle this guy, you know, like, obviously with his disability and all that, he's still like, uh, still a pretty kick-ass wrestler, you know, like, <laughs> it, was, it was a very cool experience. And, you know, it's an honor to be able to wrestle a guy like that, you know, uh, to be able to mix it up in the ring and, you know, we had a good match and like that was the GCW official debut as well on like a main show right before global pandemic. So it was definitely, it was definitely a, a very special experience, you know, especially to be able to see him be like in the ring with him and see how he still has that warrior spirit, you know, to be a truly successful professional wrestler i believe you really need to have that warrior spirit you need to have uh you know you need to have a tough mindset and of all the guys who probably who has that tough in mindset that warrior mentality it's got to be him you know he's working at a disadvantage every night but he's turned that disadvantage into his advantage to be honest you know and it's propelled him to push himself to heights that you know a lot of guys on the indies have not reached you know they haven't reached that sustainability and longevity that Greg Bjorn has. So being able to share the ring with him was, you know, uh, it was a learning experience and uh, one that I won't forget. All right. And uh, joining us now, a little late, but at the part, finally at the party, Kaliko Yabs. Hey, man, the first day of school, it's, it's good when you drop them kids off. It's picking them up when you forget. That's the whole problem. That's the issue. <laughs> and do you have a question, Kaliko? Actually, I do. Because I want to say from 2018 to roughly uh, to the pandemic, man, you were like one grinding guy. And I always, want, I always say the best ability is availability. And and I've always admired people who grind like that. And I always just want to dig into what was your what's their mentality doing so many shows in that short of a span, especially um, in your first what couple, several years. So I must say it's 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 very very admirable. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And uh, honestly. Uh, that is one of my favorite compliments to hear, you know, like a lot of people will blow smoke up your ass. Like, Oh, you're good. You're talented or whatever. But when you get someone to be able to recognize your hard work, like that really means the world. But, um, you know, it really helps. And, you know, it really helps even to this day being young, dumb and broke because obviously <laughs> like, you know, we're not a bunch of, we're not a bunch of idiots and, you know, we're not broke anymore, but at that time, um, you know, 
being at such that young age and already having that spotlight wrestling on one of the biggest independent wrestling companies at that time, which was CZW, you know, a lot, we knew, all of us knew that a lot of people were not happy with us, fans and wrestlers alike, that these pretty much nobody young kids uh, got a spot on one of the premier independent companies and got to have the opportunities that we had. So we felt that we have, and still to this day, we have a chip on our shoulder. I know every single one of us does that we need to work harder and push farther than anybody else. So even at that young stage, we already had that mindset of, uh, you know, no one's going to want to give us an opportunity. So we are going to have to go as far and do as much as we can to obtain that opportunity and make people look at us and make people recognize that we are hard workers, that we are talented, that we're willing to sacrifice for this business that we love because you know a lot of people do love wrestling and love to be a wrestler or whatever but i don't think many people realize how much sacrifice that that takes to you know not just be good but to make a living to make this your career like it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifice and uh that is something that you know me and the other guys in Young and Broke that we always talk about and that we always, you know, try to stay on each other about is keeping that hunger and keeping that fire alive. I appreciate that. And to follow up with that, um, what would you say was your biggest hurdle um, during that time span uh, from a business standpoint? Because you would think, you know, if you have a person who's willing to do as many shows as you did in that time frame, that it would be a welcoming sight. Yeah. Uh, it. So there were many times we traveled a lot in those days. So even now to this day, like since everything's opening up, like I'm looking at my calendar now and I have a lot of places I'm going to that like I am not currently booked at, but I am going to like me and the other guys are just going to go and see what happens. But, um, but yeah, at that time, uh, it was definitely not financially smart to be going to all the shows that we were. And, you know, when we, cause you know, we did a lot of driving across the country, like a lot to the Midwest, down South, up North. Um, and a lot of the time it was just for an opportunity. And maybe you get thrown like a few bucks for gas, but you know, that only needs so much to cover like a tank of gas when you got to go through four tanks of gas total. So, you know, it was a lot of just, I'm glad I started young. Cause it was a lot of just like, <laughs> a lot of, you know, you know, money, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to have a, a good family situation. I got people who are in my corner who support me, who know how hard I work for this. So they're willing to help me out, you know? So it was good that I started early and was able to like, hopefully meet as many people as I can, establish as many connections as I could, so that, uh, you know, it would start to pay off a little bit sooner rather than later. And it's, start, it's starting to pay off a little bit more now, but obviously, you know, it went for me in like 90% of the time opportunity to like, you know, I would say about 60, 40, you know, doing a little bit, making a little bit of that money back. But uh, 
but yeah, definitely just gain on shows and just gain opportunity to wrestle was our main goal. Like money was not was not the goal. It's still not even the goal right now. I don't think it's going to be the goal for a while, but it's just to be, to, you know, just get better at my craft. That's all it is. Well, speaking of getting better at your craft, um, at the Great American Smash, I believe it was two months ago, uh, Young Dumb and Broke beat, I repeat, beat Billy Starks, Janai Kai, and Jody Dredd. Yes, sir. Uh, can you tell us about that match? Because that sounds like the dream team. And, you know, I would imagine a lot of people would have said, oh, well, they're not winning that match. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people definitely doubted us coming into that match. Uh, however, I will say, like, I, you know, not to knock anybody, but I think production sometimes could be a little bit better. But you could like the crowd mics were like muted or something was off. But like when we came out, we got probably one of the biggest like ovations that we have gotten. Like me and Alice and Charlie, like coming out as a team. Like when we came out, like the place, like you know, I don't, not cliche, but like you know, it erupted. You know, it, they like people were singing the song, they were chanting "Young Dumb." And, uh, you know, I think that was a pivotal moment for us to be like, you know, where I think people realize that like, all right, these kids are coming up. They're not just kids anymore. They can see the work we've all been putting in. Like these are young men who are, you know, serious athletes. But uh, winning that match definitely solidified that thought as well. So and that, that kicked off a pretty nice win streak that we're riding out so far, which is pretty nice too. So, but it was definitely very nice to get that win. I think it changed the the outside perception of Young Dumb a lot. That went from, uh, you know, these are just like, you know, people knew they were serious wrestlers, but, you know, we just did a lot of maturing in this past couple of years. Uh, everything with the pandemic and, you know, personal losses that we've all experienced. Uh, I think that all came to a turning point at the Great American Bash where young dumb went from a bunch of like young kids to young men. And you actually got the W on Billy Starks, who was probably oh, you know the, I did. the biggest indie darling to date right now. You know, we love Billy on the show, friend of the show. So what was that? How did that feel personally to get that W? It felt good, you know, but uh, it's funny because we've known Billy. Well, I've known her ever since I started wrestling, pretty much. Uh, you know, we've always been out to like Indiana and like Ohio, and she's been wrestling since what she. Fourteen, I believe. Now. Yeah, yeah. So she's been she's been wrestling for like, I think she may have started like a little bit before us. But, like, we have known her since, like, the start, basically. At least the start of our careers. So, seeing how she has just, like, progressed, you know, and, like, has turned into, you know, she's, she's like, an indie sensation, too. Like, she is, she is everywhere. She's on, like, every show. She is, she has a huge following, you know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, meeting her, like, the first day, like, I always knew she was kind of, like, a, 
like a kooky cat, I would guess. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, she has, like, turned that to be one of the most, like, endearing characters and wrestlers, like, on the independent scene right now. Like, uh, you know, people love Billy. But uh, that being said, being able to beat Billy felt even better because, uh, you know, I think me and the guys are trying to not be as big of assholes anymore. But, you know, I'm still a bit of an asshole. And and knowing the crowd, probably, even though while they were cheering for us in the beginning, they definitely wanted to see all those chicks beat us up. Oh, and, yeah. like, you know, oh, they, they definitely wanted to see those chicks beat us up and be able to, like, beat Billy, like, personally beat her. Oh, it felt so good. The crowd was not about it at all. They were very disappointed. But, you know, it's almost like uh, it's almost like playing an away game for a sport, you know? Like, being able to, sh- like, shut up or get a negative reaction from the home crowd, it, uh, it really fuels you, you know? Some people will shy away from that, but personally, I feed into that sometimes, and, like, that really drives my competitive nature, and, like, just hearing that, like, it felt, it felt really good to beat those starts. And, you know, hopefully, one day I can beat her again, you know? Because I've done it once. I mean, I can do it as many times as I want now. I got, I got it unlocked, so, you know, that, anytime she wants it, she can get it. That's why I was going to ask, because she's made it evident that she, she kind of singled you out on social media. Uh, so is there a singles match between Griffin McCoy and Billy Starks in our future? I mean, there's got to be at some point, right? But, uh, you know, I think she's ducking me right now. Oh. I think all signs completely point to at some point we should have a match. And, you know, I don't know how well I can make that happen. But I think she can make it happen. And I don't think she wants to make it happen. So, not, to, not calling her a coward or nothing. But, you know... I think she's trying to duck Griffin McCoy at the moment. But, you know, it will definitely come to pass. I am – the universe works in mysterious ways. I'm not a big believer in fate, but I believe everything happens for a reason and everything is connected to something. So I'm pretty sure at some point me and Billy Starks will happen down the line. Nothing's been concrete yet. No one's said anything to me, but I have a feeling me and Billy Starks, our paths will, our path will cross again. Right. Scooter, you have a question. Yes, at first I just want to say we do not advocate calling broads chicks here on Wrestling with Entertainment. Okay. Hmm, let's see. Which one? Okay. Don't forget the Burger Somebody, King question. I'll Burger King you. Sure. Someone, someone I have a little bit of a personal history with, by sheer happenstance, is Jimmy Rave. And you did a very well-scripted promo called No Apology. And you wrestled Jimmy about a year and a half, unfortunately, before his... uh, Untimely retirement. And uh, so first, do you remember what flavor of black and mild you lit up at the start of that promo? And 
to given what has happened with Jimmy, was wrestling him at that point in time an indication of what he would eventually be going through? Um, so to answer the first question, I don't think that was a black, I mean, it definitely wasn't a black and mild. It was a, uh, I think it was a grape flavored game leaf. Ah, uh, that, okay. that, that might have had tobacco in it possibly or something else, but I'm not going to go on that part. But anyways, uh, you know, wrestling Jimmy at that time was was huge for me. It was huge. Um, it's still one of the biggest matches of my career, just being able to – well, the first time I wrestled, it did not go well for me. I got pinned in like a minute. Uh, my girlfriend, Valentina, broke up with me and slapped me in the face on like, you know, you know the grandest stage of CZW. But so that, the first time wasn't great. But, um, but then being able to wrestle him at Cage of Death, where it was me and the boys versus him, Steve Monstamac, and Azrael. That match was uh, very special to me and all the guys. Obviously, being a no, go ahead. It's a it's a very funny story, uh, because that was around the time he started to slow down, and by sheer happenstance, uh, he contacted me on Twitter uh, to help with the unforeseen medical expenses that would eventually go on to be a, uh, a GoFundMe. And my, I'm immediately sketch about stuff like that because you never know who's exactly messaging you. And I, I, I wanted to make sure it was him because I was willing, willing to legit help a fellow wrestler especially somebody like jimmy rave and i believe i i believe i asked him about that match specifically because azrael is also a, a friend of mine uh and mac i go i don't personally go way back with but back in 2003 and i asked him specifically about that match and i'm just remembering that now and just, I love the sheer coincidence of how everything just connects. And now that I've veered us off, off topic, uh, would you say, uh, Jimmy, what would you say was the biggest thing that Jimmy taught you going forward? Um, man. Jimmy has taught me the most out of anybody has ever taught me. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, he's, whatever the situation is, he is truly one of the greatest minds in professional wrestling. Um, if things were different, if personal situations were different, I would totally believe that Jimmy would be on TV right now, making a lot of money with all the other dudes that he came up with who are making a lot of money right now. But um, I think the biggest thing he ever taught me was, uh, I don't know, he's, I think, he, I think he taught me 
maybe not just for by saying it, but he taught me that wrestling is an unexpected journey and it will take you many places in your life, but you just need to stay focused and stay positive. And, you know, if you just do that, you don't expect anything from it, it will give you some of the greatest experiences of your life and possibly definitely some very low lows, but, you know, and then Dave, the, the destination is not what makes wrestling beautiful. It's the journey of wrestling. It's the experiences you have. It's the people you meet. It's the connections you make, you know, and that's, that's what he taught me is to enjoy those, those moments of, you know, having connections and having once in a lifetime experiences. That is what makes wrestling so special and uh, what makes being a wrestler, you know, so amazing, such a privileged experience. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you. I have a follow-up question. Um, you know, you said in your first match with Jimmy, it lasted a minute. Um, the match Scooter was specifically talking about, I believe it went 20. So can you tell us what was your initial reaction to that match uh, when you had it? And what is your reaction to that match now, hindsight being 2020? Uh, the first match or the six-man? The, the, uh, the 20-minute match. The 20-minute? Oh, oh, the one where I, I wrestled him on Dojo Wars one-on-one. -on -one. Is that the one you're referring to? I believe so, yes. Yes. So that match, I think that match taught me a whole lot, too. Obviously, the first thing I said taught me a whole lot, but that match... Being able to wrestle him, what, we went like 20-something minutes, like maybe, I think around like 20-ish, I think a little above, I haven't matched, watched that match in a minute, but that match was the, like, I've wrestled a lot of, I've been very privileged to wrestle a lot of uh, veterans in this business and people who have been across the world and have, you know, made a career, made a living out of wrestling, but he is the one guy that has, like, achieved the most success over a very long amount of time in this business and wrestled the best people that this business has to offer. And wrestling that match was, uh, it was similar to my DJ Hyde match on my very first match ever on Dojo Wars. Like I knew exactly what you, who Jimmy Rave is. I know, I knew exactly what he was about. Uh, I knew like the level of athlete and performer and wrestling mind that he is. So I was very intimidated to be wrestling him. However, I knew in that moment that I could not show that intimidation. I could not shy away from this moment. I had to grab that moment by the balls and I had to take it. And in that match, I felt like I took that moment. I took that match. I lost, but you know, it did not feel like a loss because if you learn something from your losses, they're never truly losses. You know, they're just learning experiences. And that match was probably one of the biggest learning experiences I've ever had, just from like a pure wrestling mind and like, a, you know, a, a mental aspect of wrestling. And now looking back at it, hindsight 2020, what 
is maybe a big takeaway from it? Um, I guess a big takeaway from it is that I can I can hang with anybody, you know. Like at that stage, uh, you know, I I'm a very confident guy, almost to a fault. However, uh, at that time, I was definitely super confident to a fault. But uh, I think, you know, looking back and being at that young, I think I was 19 at the time. You know, I'm only 21 now, but still, over the past couple of years, it's felt like a lifetime. But uh, knowing at that stage of my career where obviously I was traveling, but I hadn't really done anything at that point, uh, to know that I could hang in there with, like, a premier wrestler he's he's truly a master of his craft you know there are not too many guys a little bit more now with people who have been unfortunately released but are now on this indie scene or have come back who are you know masters like davy richards and uh you know uh all like austin aries was even there this weekend you know but like the jimmy ray falls into that category of like a master of his craft and being able to know that i wrestled a master of their craft was able to keep up if not excel then you know that's just that's even more of a confidence boost to me now thinking about it at that time i know i was buzzing after that match but even now thinking back to that like oh wow i i really wrestled jimmy rave in like a 20 plus minute match like main event kind of style like we went we went hard as fuck like knowing i did that uh you know it just goes to show like hey man uh you know I was born to do this. I was born to be a wrestler. I was born to, you know, one day to become a master of my craft and, you know, take wrestling to new heights. All right. So, do you have a question? On to lighter issues. <laughs> <laughs> there was recently a poll that was conducted and they said that you were the handsomest member of Young, Dumb, and Broke. Is it safe oh, to yeah. say that you're the Justin Timberlake of Young, Dumb, and Broke? <laughs> oh, I am Justin Timberlake, Ryan Gosling, Leonardo DiCaprio, Zac Efron, uh, Daniel Craig. Oh, I love Daniel Craig. But uh, One of them Jonas yeah. Brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what? Throw all three of them besides the one who loves me. I know two of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know one of them is married to, uh, oh man, there's a, she's like, Priyanka I Chopra. think she's like a Middle Eastern, like, uh, Priyanka, Priyanka Chopra. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'm essentially all those rolled into one. I don't even know why, you know, when I first checked that poll, uh, Jordan had the most votes at like the beginning and I was shocked. Uh, you know, Jordan, I love my guy. I love all my guys in Young Devil Broke. But, oh, my God, all those dudes can break a mirror by staring into it. I am not going to lie. They are so wow. I know. <laughs> you know I, don't, I don't really care if this gets back to them because we're brothers. You know, I don't, I don't care. Uh, but, goddamn, I, I was just more worried for the fans who were voting because I would have recommended all of them to get their eyes checked if they voted for somebody else. And I lost that. But because uh, it is just like, you know, it is apples and oranges when it comes to who is handsome and who is not handsome and young and broke. It is, you know, Charlie, Charlie, you know, he's got a look. He's, you know, he's a type. 
you know, burly dude with the mutton chops and the long hair. Like, I get younger, Jordan, when we were, like, 18, 19, you know, he was, like, you know, skinny, young, pretty boy, kind of, like, boyish, good charms. But nowadays, he's just looking real scruffy. <laughs> you know, he's got, he's got a kind of husky, like, uh, he's been wrestling a lot, you know, so, you know, he's got some miles on him right now. So, I, you know. None of those guys compare to Griffin McCoy. That's all I'm gonna say. You know, a lot of a lot of other wrestlers, man. You know, a lot of people like to say they're handsome, and this is like a common theme without wrestling, where it's a bunch of dudes saying like, "I'm a handsome Jimmy Buffett" or whatever, and like, you know, they're ugly as hell. And there's a lot of those guys right now. But you know, I don't like to talk about, so, so, like to talk about how handsome I am, but like because you know, it should just be obvious. That's all I'm gonna say. So basically. They're both you sound disrespected. I am a little disrespected. I, you know, there was like several people. I thought I was going to lose at one point, and I was really disrespected because, you know, I get you might like the other, you know, you might like the other ones for being wrestlers or whatever. But if we're going off a of pure scientific fact, there is no way that Griffin McCoy is not the most handsome member of Young Dumb Brooklyn. That's all I'm going to say. So they're both Joey Fatone. I don't know who that is, but if he's ugly, then yes. <laughs> That's so, a fat NSYNC member for everyone. <laughs> you know, I only know JT, baby, so, uh, you know, that's all. <laughs> he's like, I'm Beyonce, the rest of y'all are whatever. <laughs> Yeah, well, the other children. I don't. I don't know. I just know Beyonce. I know. Uh, I don't know. I know the other two Jonas Brothers. I don't know the other one. You know, that's that's all I'm going to say. How <laughs> how often do you remind uh, the other members of Young and Dumb uh, that you are the most handsome member? So I don't because they will get really hurt about it. If I just kept talking about how handsome I was all the time compared to them, they would be their their feelings would be hurt. Ugly know? people don't uh, have feelings. <laughs> Pretty much, man. Yeah, you know, maybe I will start telling them, put them in their place a little bit more. But uh, you know, I don't I don't like to stress it a lot. I think you know when we all pull up somewhere and the ladies are looking at us, I think we all realize who they're looking at. So that you know, I don't I don't have to do the talk you know i love talking but i don't have to do the talking about my looks my looks you know they speak for themselves now let's go on to another match you had with legit Layla horse um the dojo one match yes what could you tell us about that match um that match oh man that match was cool. Obviously, that's super generic, but like you know, obviously that was a cool match. Uh, okay. I think at that time she was already starting to like. She was already been on the main shows a bit, like she was starting to be on the rise. I don't know if she went to Germany yet, before that, or maybe it was right before she went to Germany to go to train at WXW, but it was sometime in around that time frame. So like at that point, like. We were all just waiting for the day that she got the call. You know, like, right. at a certain point of us, after that time, we were like, all right, Layla's going to be on TV at some point. It's just a matter of time. And uh, lo and behold, here we are. But at that time, uh, 
you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't sweating that much, you know, because I'd known Layla for like two and a half years at that point. Obviously, you see each other multiple times a week, train together, you know, you have that bond. But I think that was the first time we ever got to have a match like one-on-one. So we had a good match. It was really fun, competitive, hard-hitting. And uh, that's one thing that I will always, like, you know, Layla's a super dope at a, a million things, but she will never hold back. Uh, she gives her top 100% every time she's in the ring. And but I know dude wrestlers who will, will, who will not even give a fraction. They will give 25% on a nightly basis. And but Layla, however, she will give a hundred percent into every match. She gave her a hundred percent. I feel the same way. I need to give a hundred to a hundred and ten percent every single night I'm out there because she she too is a warrior, you know, like you know, obviously super personable, has that charisma, has that glow, but I think everyone knows that Layla Hirsch is a warrior. And and that night especially. It did not feel like, you know, intergender match, boy versus girl. It felt like warrior versus warrior that night. And I know one day me and Layla will mix it up again, too. So, you know, uh, that's the one I'm going to be very excited for. Whenever we get to wrestle in the future, I know we're going to have, you know, it's going to be a clash of warriors. That's awesome. Um, Scooter, you have a question. No, no, you did not. Ah. Okay. Now, I may, I may have this incorrect because not sure how much of it is actually legit, but I'm gonna go for it. And if there's something in my face, so be it. We love crazy stuff here at Wrestling With Entertainment. A- anytime talent does something related to backyard wrestling or anything like that, a lot of stuff that was done during the pandemic, we love that kind of stuff. Tell us about your experience with Grimm's Toy Show. Ha-ha. <laughs> yes, so that is where I got like my first it's that weird kind of middle ground between like backyard wrestling. It's definitely backyard wrestling too, but they have had like many like actual wrestlers on Rim's Toy Show. So, but you know, whatever it is, you know, everyone knows Rim's Toy Show. And like, you know, Rim's Toy Show has a lot of people who watch it. You know, yeah. like a lot of, it has a huge following, like more than like, half of these independent wrestling companies like they wish they had the clout that cream toy shows has you know but um but yeah you know i when i was like 17 uh i was able to like get an opportunity at grims and like for the first bit i just wrestled the other guys and young up and broke because we all did grims toy show but uh but i will say there there have been dudes who have come out of grims toy show like uh like I don't know if you guys know TJ Crawford, but um, he started out 
he obviously trained at like Creative Pro and like got a start and uh, you know did yeah. all that. But he wrestled on Groove Choice as well. And so I've known TJ Crawford even before I started training. And so uh, you know, obviously, like we're we're still like boys now, and like it's kind of funny to see where like where we come from, such like humble beginnings. But you know, I will say like I had a great time at that stage of my life wrestling for Grimm's Boy Show. We just I got to wrestle my friends the entire time and we just got to beat the crap out of each other and we just did like ridiculous segments and uh you know it was uh it was a fun time like I have like no regrets about doing Grimm's Boy Show. I don't know if I go back now, but like Grimm's Boy Show definitely helped me get my mark. I still got a lot of people hitting me up about if I ever go back. You know, if he pays me a lot of money, I definitely would. But, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but no, I had a, I had a great time. I've done some. I did a lot of like ridiculous stuff on there, just like, like you know, going off of like ladders and like you know, I wrestled uh, I wrestled like Robbie E, who's uh, now uh, Rob- yeah, Robert Stone on Rob- NXT, like yeah, Robbie. Like, yeah, I wrestled him. I wrestled Red Titus was part of the foundation on ring of honor and like yeah. a former tag team champion and former he's been you know he's a ring of honor legend like oh, i've yeah. known about red Titus, you know like he is a, he's a legend i wrestled him recently actually for uh uh back this past maybe like six months ago for uh this puerto rican company that were doing tapings out in the states but i wrestled him recently which was super cool um i wrestled nunzio oh, uh, little yeah. guido wow. <laughs> gcs my God, yeah. that's t- yeah. So I, I've done. I've wrestled like a couple cool people at uh at GTS. So like those are like my first encounters with like you know wrestling wrestling legends at like like random little spot shows. So you know I it was definitely a big learning experience and definitely showed me a lot of like hey man you know you can be con- content with wrestling on GTS or there is a big wide world of wrestling outside of this place that you can make your mark in. And like that's, wrestling at those humbling beginnings definitely gave me and all the guys that like, over your mindset of like, all right, like it's fun here, but we need to get better. We need to push ourselves. We need to like start getting out and like getting serious about this. Like that's what really helped us at GTS. Like, all right, we have some capability. Something's there, the talent's there. You know, we have like a charisma to ourselves. We have the wrestling IQ. We just have to like go out and seek the knowledge and seek the experience. So, you know, I will always be grateful to Grimms for giving us that start and, you know, helping us develop that drive that we have today. I, one, I love the fact that you mentioned Robbie because I knew him back when he was Rob Echoes. with the NYWC, uh, I was actually before my time ended there. He was going to be part of the program that I was going to be involved in with another talent, Josh Daniels. That unfortunately didn't come to pass. But you mentioned TJ Crawford, who comes out of Creator Pro, the guy who trained me. Is the guy who trained him, Pat Buck. Yeah. Uh, 
And then, of course, you mentioned uh, uh, Nunzio, who made the odd appearance in NYWC as well. Not as much as uh, as Tony Mamaluke, I have to say. Uh, but again, all, all the all those connections taking me back to, to to my time in the circle, and I can't believe I'm dating myself. I feel old. Well, when I hear Nuncio, I think the full-blooded Italians. When I think the full-blooded Italians, I think Tracy Smothers. Now, Griffin, can you, in honor of Tracy, do you know how to spell Doug? <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't know how to spell it the way he spells, he spells it. I... I know exactly what you're talking about, but the catchphrase escapes me at the moment. If I like, give you, if I give you the, the, if I give it to you, will you say it? Yeah, I will say it. T is for terrible, H is for hell, U is for ugly, and G is for jail, because a dog can't spell. Yes, yes. T is for terrible, H is for ho, U is for ugly, and G is for jail because a thug can't spell. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tracy's mother was at the first ever professional wrestling show I ever wrestled on. And this was, I was 16. This was for IWA Mid South, like oh, two man. days before Christmas. It was like one of their tryout shows. And uh, he was in the locker room that day. And like, I just said what's up to him. But like, you just, like, I could just hear from, you know, I was out here watching him from like a distance because, you know, I was, I was a 16 year old, shy as hell. But uh, you just heard him just like, you know, telling jokes, ribbing people, just being like super cool locker room presence. And uh, like, that was, a, that was a really cool experience on like my first show. I was being like, all right, like, like, you know, obviously big ECW fan. Like, obviously I wasn't born during that time, but with the network, being able to go back and watch and like, you know, even seeing him like WCW when he was part of the Southern Boys and stuff, like kick-ass tag wrestler. Uh, but yeah, so that was, that was really cool to like be able to meet him a couple of times. Never really like personally got to like pick his brain too much, but just be able to be in the locker room with him was, uh, you know, like I'm never going to forget being in the locker room with Tracy's mothers. That's awesome. Uh, Coleco. You have a question. I'm going to bring up a person that you wrestled, Christian Robinson. Yes. And the reason I bring that up, because he's going to be fighting to Cole Scorpio next month. Yes. So I always say this. By proxy, if Christian Robinson beats two Cole Scorpios, I think that means you're better than two Cole Scorpio, right? That means you could take them, right? <laughs> you know what, man? Like, you know, by the transitive property, you know, you learn that shit in middle school. But uh, I think that technically does. But obviously. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but no, nah, I am super excited for Christian to wrestle two cool Scorpio. Like, uh, I'm just excited for him because, like, that. Much like to like, you know, my experience wrestling Jimmy Ray, but just being a learning experience, like that is a huge learning experience. Like Jordan wrestled him a little, like a few months ago too. And, uh, you know, just being able to like learn from two cold, 
And I've been on like a bunch of shows with him as of recently, ever since he came back. And he's always been like super cool, super down to earth, always willing to talk, always willing to like help out. Uh, he is like everything you want a professional wrestling veteran to be. Like as a young guy coming up in this business, like you want a dude like too cold in your locker room that you could like, you know, confide in and like ask advice and you know just to be like an all-around dope guy but i am so stoked for christian to wrestle him and if he beats him you know what i'm saying like there's my claim i'm like hey my boy jordan beat you my boy christian beat you too cold <laughs> like i'm you know i'm not saying i could beat you too but i think you should test it out at least like you know we got we got to see what happens the evidence is there exactly you know, i have a case Yes. I know the Pythagorean theory. A squared equals B, A plus B squared. A plus no, A plus B equals E squared. There you go. Exactly. C squared equals about right. A squared minus B squared. You know one of them damn things. My yeah, math yeah, is gone. Yeah. <laughs> no, for certain. Now you are an injustice gods among us fan, correct? Like sorta. Like I uh I played the first one all the way through i think i played the second one all the way through but i've played them i've but it's been like you know a couple years ago at this point hmm. are you a dc fan in general or yes yes dc fan in general i love comic books uh i don't get to read them that much anymore but uh when i was a kid one of my uncles like was a big comic book collector and he had he had every edition of the original Teen Titans, like from the eighties. Like he had literally every single comic book. He had, I don't know how many of the four comic books he had, but he had a huge Thor collection. He had an X-Men collection, a Wolverine collection. Uh, what else? Like he had a, he had a lot of comic books and like that gave me a big love. And, but uh, DC is a, uh, I love I love the Marvel movies and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I think DC has like the best characters and stories, and uh, I think their animated movie series, like all their animated movies, are so good, so good. So yeah, I'm a big DC fan. I actually couldn't agree more. Scooter, I know you have a follow up question. Hmm. Okay. Now I'm. Also, a, 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 a diehard Marvel fan, DC fan. Hmm. Okay, let's make let's make this interesting because honestly, I'm not sure where James is leading me with that. But no, I just hell? thought you had a follow up question. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Let's make this fun. If you could put, if you could book one Marvel superhero against one DC superhero, who would it be? Ooh. I'm going to try to think of a matchup that I've never seen before. Maybe, uh, oh man, I did that a lot. Maybe, uh, I'd like to see the Red Hood, Jason Todd, 
like when he's like full psychopath, you know, like full like kill mode. Mm-hmm. Versus, yes. Uh, man, I want to say Wolverine, but you can't kill Wolverine. So like that kind of that kind of negates it. It needs to be someone like this. Needs to be a fight to the death. You know, like I love I love like the adult rated comics. You know, where like they're like they're like you know like people are dying for real. Like like I've always been like a huge fan of that. The, like I still have the hard copy of the. The uh, well, it's a, it's actually a graphic novel at that point. Uh, where the Joker kills Jason Todd. Yes, yes. But uh, oh man, I love. They came out with an animated movie under the Red Hood, and I watched that when I was like ten, and like, oh my god, that was so awesome. Like they, that mar- that animated movie was spectacular. That but was a good um, one. yeah, that was a good one. Maybe uh, maybe Jason Todd versus iron man because they both got helmets but uh you know i think because they're both like very strategic you know i everyone says batman versus iron man but like you know you know maybe maybe a little bit different maybe jason todd versus iron man where iron man's in like real danger of being like murdered you know because obviously jason todd is super intelligent and i think he's like you know a lot of strategy in that play you know and definitely would have to push Iron Man to a new level. You know, he kills people, and everyone just kind of like glance that over. But like, you know, I think that would be a cool matchup. All right, Kaliko, you have a question. Yes, you've held tag team title gold before. Have you ever had the aspiration of becoming a singles champion? And if so, what championship is in your goal site? Um, so, so technically, I personally have not won a tagging title. The boys, Ellison and Charlie, won the GWC, the Georgia Wrestling Championship tag titles in AWE. However, we do operate under a Freeburg rule. So technically, Damn right. So you're a champ. So you're champion. I, I am a champ. I am a champ. I'm gonna put that in my social media bio right now. But um, <laughs> but yeah. But uh, while we are at a uh, team phase at this point, all obviously Jordan's realizing his singles potential right now. But me, Charlie, and Alice all have singles aspirations. Uh, ever since we were kids, like we would always talk about, you know, I'm gonna win WWE championship. You're gonna win Intercontinental Championship. He's gonna win the World Heavyweight. We'll just all rotate those at some point, you know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, what I'm spending my eyes on right now, probably the most attainable right now, is the independent wrestling championship, which is currently held by my long lost half brother Wheeler Yuta. Oh, so yeah, yeah it's it's personal for me. It's personal for me. Me and Wheeler, uh, you know, ever since I started wrestling, everyone's been like, like. Are you are you Wheeler's little brother? And I'm like, no, because that dude is also nowhere as near as handsome as me. <laughs> but um, but now Wheeler, like, you know, we have a personal relationship. He's always been like really cool, always helpful. Uh, he's he's a dude I consider a friend. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, this is business, and I want what he's got, and. I've known him for a bit too. We've all we both come up in the same like CZW system, you know, like we have that bond. But uh I think winning that championship for me is personal, especially from him. 
because my entire career, I have been not like called his little brother, but like a lot of people are just like, oh, you look like Wheeler Yuta. Like, oh, are you Wheeler Yuta? And, uh, well, he's a phenomenal wrestler. And he really loves himself. Uh, I am not Wheeler Yuta. I think I am better than Wheeler Yuta. So, damn I think straight. coming after this. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, that is damn straight. So, <laughs> I'm definitely coming after that, that strap that he's got around his belt right now. You know, he, he think he's big man right now with his ring of honor contract and his, like, you know, his full beard. You know, that's what really, what everyone really likes about Wheeler right now. That he's got a full beard. He's always been that good at wrestling. But now he's got a beard. Everyone's like, oh, he looks handsome with his beard. But it's covering up his weak chin. So that's all I'm going to say. After the match, people will say to Willow Yuta, aren't you Griffin McCoy? Oh, oh, 100%. 100%. Like, oh, why are you trying to copy Griffin McCoy? Yeah. And then uh, he'll, you know, he he will taste what it feels like to have that comparison. But, you know, I think he'll be more proud to be compared to Griffin McCoy than I am to Willow Yuta. Obviously, it's a compliment, but, you know, he'll be thanking his lucky stars to be compared to Griffin McCoy one day. Now, on to a controversial subject. Pineapple on pizza. What's your stance? So, I was raised on pineapple on pizza, but not straight pineapple on pizza. It's always been pepperoni and pineapple. Hmm. Uh, I literally had pineapple, pepperoni and pineapple pizza, like, last night. I had, like, one slice. <laughs> Because, you know, I'm an athlete. But, uh, but yeah, so I, you know, I rock with pineapple on pizza. However, I will say I was raised on it, you know? So, okay. like, you know, I like Hawaiian pizza, too, where it's, like, the ham, pineapple, and, like, whatever else I got on there. So, like, you know, I'm also from San Francisco, California. Like, I think it's a lot more popular out on the West Coast, you know? Yes. Because, obviously, there's that, like, South Pacific their influence on the West Coast, especially where I grew up. So pineapple on pizza was never like taboo or or like an internet sensation like it is right now. Like people could not care less <laughs> back when I, I was growing up. They didn't have the internet. But now like people can make a fuss about it. Some people like live under a rock or in the middle of nowhere. So they have, you know, you know, they're not exposed to it. But I've been exposed to it from a very young age. I like it. It con- you know, it contrasts the salty and the sweet if you pair it together you know, in a good combination. So I am in full support of pineapple on pizza. All right. What's your spirit Pokemon? My spirit Pokemon? Man, uh, you know, I really liked Scyther as a kid hmm. because he could fly and he had the cool blades. But, like, now he's just, like, a mid-level <laughs> Pokemon, you know? Like, as a kid, you didn't really, like, know the different tiers. Right. But, uh, but like, I think now... I think I'm trying to evolve in like into like you know I want to be like a Blastoise one day you know just like a big like a Hulk you know I think I'm like whatever is in between a Squirtle and a Blastoise right now I forget what the middle transition is but I feel like that's where I'm at I'm trying to become Blastoise. Oh. But uh, but yeah, but you know maybe that. Blastoise is the middle. Oh, it is. Uh, what's that? What's the war, word? War, war turtle? War turtle. Oh, war turtle. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to be that. I'm trying to be war turtle. Right now, I'm just a blast choice, you know. But that's still pretty cool, man. Like everyone wants to be fucking Charmander, but you know, I'm I'm definitely more of water type. Definitely Charmander. more water. Type. 
I find it. I find it funny that you mentioned Scyther because, again, in the NYWC, we actually said someone competing under the name Scyther. Wow, that that's a good wrestling name. Maybe uh, like mid two thousand wrestling name. Maybe not nowadays, but mid two thousands that'd be a really good wrestling name. But you can you can really use it because Pokemon are legitimately they're very really protective of their content. So he would have been stuck with some type of lawsuit. (laughs) But uh, it's funny you bring up the Charmander because a a good majority of our guests have caught the Charmander. Yeah. And, of course, the weirdest question you'll ever be asked on a wrestling podcast. Would you ever consider wrestling a rock? Not Dwayne Johnson, Scooter. Not the country. An actual rock. An actual rock. I mean, you know, people have wrestled invisible men and sex dolls and like, wrestled brooms. Yeah, they've wrestled a lot of things. So, man, if I was being paid and people showed up, I would most certainly wrestle a rock. You know, i put on a five-star match with a rock. I'd make it work. There you like, go. You know, I, I, you know, wrestling is a very kooky place, and you know, I think you're a fool if you turn down, you know, kooky matches. You know, you that is a once in a lifetime experience to wrestle a rock. You know, like people are gonna pay to watch you wrestle a rock. Like, you know, you gotta do that. You know, that's just that's a great story one day. Just for context, there's this guy named Psycho Mike that wrestled an actual rock for over 15 minutes in what was dubbed uh, in a Tungsten Man match, an Iron Man match that lasts for two weeks straight. Or a fortnight. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And that's actually in based out of Ontario. Uh... Yeah, Backyard Pro. Uh... Scooter, you have any uh, question, last questions? Yes, one more. Oh, actually, I have two, but you know what? I think this one will be more interesting. Now, you've come into contact with a former WWE, well, not a former, current WWE Hall of Famer, former uh, WWE Tag Team Champion, of course, I'm talking about Saba Simba. No, wait a minute. I'm talking about Tony Atlas. Yes. How did that encounter come to be? Did he choose you? Were you just thrown in there? Or how did that come to be? So this has a little bit of backstory. So when we are this past uh, WrestleMania in Tampa, uh you know, obviously they did the whole like independence coming to Tampa, running for the week before WrestleMania. So he, Tony Atlas, was at one of the shows at the Cuban Club, and I guess it was either Jordan came out, pretty sure like Jordan was wrestling or something, and our and the Young Dumb song came on, and then footage picked up Tony Atlas dancing to the Young Dumb song. So, you know. If this was uh this was at the hybrid show. I came out, I wrestled, I was, you know, I was came out to the Young Dumb song, won my match, and uh I guess he just like, you know, just started dancing. 
to the song and it drew people's attention. And of course I had to be like, I'm like, yo, Tony Alice, why are you dancing to my song right now? You're, you're stealing my moment. You know, I get, I get people, you know, I appreciate that you like the song, but you know, you're stealing like half the crowd looked over and saw Tony Atlas dancing and like, you know, I just won my match. Like, you know, you know, you, the focus should be on me. So obviously right. I had to call him out and, uh, <laughs> you know, he just decided to, you know, like, you know, he started to disrespect me a little bit. I don't take disrespect too kindly, especially from, uh, you know, you can't back down from a Hall of Famer. Like, if you back down from someone over you, uh, people will always be over you, is what I've come to learn. And so in that moment, I had to realize, like, you know, I got to do what I got to do. He's disrespecting me. I had to take it to him. But obviously, like, you know, he's a Hall of Famer for a reason and started beating me up a little bit. But, you know, at, at the end, after it, though, he got back on the mic and uh, during the live stream and said he wanted to beat me up and wrestle me. But uh, obviously, I think he's ducking me now, too, because I think he realizes that he couldn't hang with a young stud like Chris McCoy. It sounds like you have a list of, you know, people that you need to kind of cross off, correct? Yeah, yeah I got a list, you know. Uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely people. Of course, there's people who I love, like, dream matches and whatever. But, like, there's definitely a list of people right now who are currently within my grasp that have disrespected me in some sort of way. And, you know, like Michael Jordan says, I take that shit personally, you know, like, uh, I I take, you know, I'm a, I'm a super competitive person in my normal day-to-day life. I don't know why I have always been so competitive, but, uh, you know, they're, they're the list adds on, weekly you know there's always some point at some show where someone it's not like total disrespect but it's like all right this guy does not take me seriously or this or this man man woman or beast does not put the respect on my name as they should and i will add them to the list so you know like billy starks can come get it tony atlas can come get it uh, Will you, you know, Wheeler obviously can come get it. Like there's, there's a lot of... There's, huh? Yeah, he's going to co- come and get it because he exists. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Even if your existence is... I take that shit personally. So, you know, if you exist, you can come find me in that ring. And I'm going to put you down. Now, uh, Calico, you have a colossal question. I don't think I should say colossal because I think colossal Mike Log on that list. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that guy. Oh my god, I, I don't know when this is coming out. Probably not before I have this match on Saturday. But colossal Mike Law. Oh my god, yo, that guy. You know, he's been in this business for a good bit. He's training people down at uh, Battle Club, the Fallout Shelter. Good for him. But I tell you what, he has been subtly sneak dissing me. He has been acting like he is going to like, oh, you, you're you going to keep up, kid? Get out of here, man. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you do for your training. I don't know what you do to prepare yourself for your matches. 
But I assume it's a lot of sitting on your ass and eating potato chips. Uh, you got fake weights. Ooh. You know, you are not colossal. You are four foot nothing. I will squash you, son. I don't care. I don't care, man. I oh man, if there's a match you guys should watch, whenever that match comes out, I'm gonna beat the dog crap out of Mike Law. Like Wait, I, I, that's all I'm gonna say. Wait, hold on. What do you think of that, Mike? Wait, <laughs> anyway, no, no. I'm <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. I I wish he was on here right now. I wish he was on here. I would roast his ass. I'm gonna, I'm gonna roast his ass on Saturday. That's all I'm gonna say. And uh, that's uh this Saturday, um the twenty seventh, correct? The twenty eighth, August twenty eighth. Okay. In uh in West Virginia at the Blue Wave Center. I forget the town, but uh yeah, the Blue Wave Center, West Virginia, N. As in, as a nighttime CW national championship wrestling, that's when that's going down. All right. I feel uh, I'm, I feel disrespected that they give me Mike Wall. Fallen's B, West Virginia. Fallen's B. Well, how could I even forget? Fallen's <laughs> B, West Virginia is the place to be. Yeah, I you know I don't think there are many there have been many people who have said Fallen's B, West Virginia is the place to be, but it will be the place to be to win. I wonder I wonder if a future guest that we're looking to get who also works in the uh, West Virginia area is going to be a part of that show. Let's we'll see. What's the name? Miss Hannah. I don't know if I know her. Mm. Possibly. No, Calico, you have that question that is about music and uh, that thing, it's definitely not named after that guy that uh, Griffin is going to kick his ass on Saturday, correct? Yeah, pretty much that, not that question. Uh, yes. So, you've been wrestling for a hot little minute, you know, you get, you're moving up, let's say you get famous, they make a movie. One of those BTS kids are going to be starring as you in the wrestling movie. Every movie has a has a soundtrack. So what would be the five, first five songs that best resemble your wrestling career up until this point? Oh, man. That's a great question. Um, hey. Five songs. That's a really good question. I'm a I'm a huge music guy. Um I oh man. Oh man. Give me two seconds to look through my playlist right now. Because there there are definitely songs that I'm like, you know, that that hype me up for wrestling. Um oh man. Uh, I'm also like yeah, I'm also I'm also like a huge uh like I love mafia movies and stuff like that like Goodfellas, Casino, you you name it. So I you know I'm into I'm really into like fifties doo wop for like really randomly. Like, I'm really really into like like hardcore like cocaine gangster rap, and then like fifty doo wop fifties doo wop is like my other passion. But uh, so it's like a really wide range. I also love like rock and like metal and stuff like that too. But maybe uh. Maybe I gotta shout out my guy Freddie Gibbs. He's like my favorite rapper. Uh, maybe uh, 
Ooh, Crime Pays by Freddie Gibbs is one of my go-tos. Um, oh, Hot by Young Thug featuring Gunna. That's my theme song, like my actual theme song. So I think that's got to make it into the, into the playlist at some point. That's two. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You already know. You already know. Um, man. Uh, I wish I wish I had time to research. Maybe uh we gotta throw MF Doom in there. I really love the song Rap Snitch Knishes. That's gotta that's gonna oh. find its way to the playlist somewhere. Oh. oh man, MF Doom, rest in peace. Oh yeah, rest in peace. Rest in peace the mad villain, yo. Like man, this this past couple years has been crazy, dude. I don't I don't know. You love MF Doom, world might as well end, but but yeah, he he's gotta be in it. Uh my boy Benny the Butcher. Uh, I got to throw in. Man, he's been dropping a lot of heat recently. Yeah, he has. A whole lot of heat. But um, he has. I love 5 to 50 off of his uh, The Plugs I Met 1, his, the first Plugs I Met album. So 5 to 50. Um, What's that? Am I at 4 right now? You're at 4. 4? Oh, yes. man. One more. One more. This is so tough. This is so tough. Um, I'm gonna throw in a curveball. Uh, no one knows the song unless you're like from Latin America, but it's called Amor de Mis Amores. No, actually, not not that song. Atraves del Vaso. Atraves del Vaso. It's a uh, it's a very popular song. In uh, it might be. I think it's like a maybe it's Guatemala. I don't know. It's a very popular song in like Latin America. Uh, but yeah, that song. Like it is like a it's like a full like love song or whatever about this guy. Uh, he essentially had a bar talking to talking to the bartender about how his love left him and how he'll travel. I don't know what Vaso means, but I mean like the valley, I think, or something like that. But uh, but yeah, I really like that song too, and that song has recently meant a lot to me. But uh, so that's like a curveball. But those five songs off the top of my head, just like scrolling through my playlist right now. That would have to be in the soundtrack to the Griffin McCoy uh, biopic. Now you have the five songs. Do you lock it in? Yeah, yeah I lock those in. All right, we all that, locked in. Is that Banda Los Sebastianos? Um, I don't know. This is like a couple of. I know it's like a folk song. You know, I tra- let me yeah, yeah, it's uh, what's the version I got on my phone? Let's Yeah, it's by I guess the one that's on my phone is for uh, Grupo uh, Blanque, but uh, mm-hmm. I know there's like I know there's like a couple different versions, you know, there's yeah. like the actual like uh, the actual like band version of it by Yep, but. But yeah, no, that's that's a good song. If you guys like uh, what's it, Colombian cumbia music, uh, Amor de Mis Amores is a banger. You know, that's a really good song. I live in yeah. Queens. There's cumbia music everywhere. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. You, you're a you, man. You've probably heard Amor de Mis Amores. That song goes hard. See, I, I'm always been into Brazilian music, like Jorge Bim. Like that dude oh, guy. Really? That dude. Yeah, I, I gotta check it out. I love Cadet Teresa. That shit goes hard. It's like, Gianni, Cadet Teresa. That shit go hard. Yeah, 
What, what's his name again? Jorge Ben. Jorge ben. Oh, I already got it. I already, I already <laughs> got it. I already got it. I'm looking up right now. Yeah, I, lo- I love a lot of music and all that stuff. You know, I'm not going to lie. So I grew up in like California, San Francisco, and then I moved to San Diego when I was around seven ish. So I've always been around like, you know, like Latinos and all that stuff. But uh, like, I've always been a little scared of Mexico. However, I would love to go travel and wrestle there just so I could test out all my Spanish and like use all the curse words I've learned and see how people react, you know? <laughs> I, 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 I've been to Mexico. I got the revenge. I ain't going back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it might be like a one and done kind of deal, you know. Let's if I go with WWE one day, like you know, they're gonna take care of me, make sure I don't get robbed or nothing like that. But uh, you know, like at the be going on like an independent stage, like it's a little sketchy to be going over there, like at this point in my life. So like I'm a little I'm a little hesitant to do it. However, like I would love to go and like tour Latin America one day. Like all of all of uh, you know, Latin America and South America, like that'd be super dope. Someone's gonna buy the uh, CMLL, the company and the uh, and the uh, venue in its entirety because they're looking to sell. So that's probably gonna be sooner rather than later. Oh, oh, they're looking to sell the the whole company. Yep. Really? I did not know that. No. It is once again time for that segment. Griffin McCoy's Bizarre Adventure. You're a wrestler that goes up and down the road, and real crazy and bizarre things are about to happen. Can you tell us a road story that fits that description? Oh man, a bizarre road story. Man, at this point, I feel like everything's probably bizarre. And, like, just being in the wrestling business, like, I'm just numb to it. Like, you don't realize how bizarre it is until it's, like, until probably, like, it's too late. But, um, oh, man, what's a bizarre wrestling story that I have in the road? Um, I don't know if this is bizarre. This is definitely one of, like, it's, like, one of, like, no, I mean, not, like, the worst, but, uh. We did a show up in uh, New York State, uh, Wild Zero. They, they don't run anymore. But uh, we did the show relatively close to us, like four hours away. Not too bad. But uh, coming back, we were an hour outside Philly, which is kind of where we're all based in, in and around. And we ran over a dead deer. Ooh. And, yeah, we ran over a dead deer. And we were just stuck on the side of the road for six hours straight like like it it was oh my god like just out in like the cold i was wearing shorts i had to put on like my wrestling pants to keep me warm like we were all just delirious standing on the side of the road for like five hours in the cold waiting for like triple a to like open back up and come get someone to get us and we had to ultimately like take like like an hour and a half uber ride home (laughs) <laughs> to like to like get home it was really like an hour outside of like our destination and we were just stuck there for so long it was like you know it was the definition of so close but yet so far like i knew i knew how to walk home from there but like to walk would have taken 
you probably would have taken the exact amount of time it took to wait. But you know, you're not walking for six, seven hours. You know. Yeah. But uh, but that's yeah, but that's one of my wrestling stories. Uh, man, I don't. I definitely got more, but they're all escaping me at the moment. If I ever come back, I'll definitely be more prepared. Oh, I was definitely going to say when we bring you back, you could tell us more road stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have like a much better one to, to tell. You know, that one was kind of no, that, that was light. That was light. Guna, you have your last question. Hmm. Okay. Came across an interesting photo on your Instagram where you're posing amongst what appears to be a load of, as far as I could tell, empty beer bottles. Now, some would say, oh, you know, beer bottles, you know, handsome people don't drink beer. What's the story behind that photo? Oh, 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 I know what you're talking about. Uh, so, yeah, so that is uh, one of my hobbies, I guess, like a family hobby, I guess, with uh, me, my dad, and my brother. We do home brewing at my house. Oh. So Ooh. it's something we picked up. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So we picked up, uh, so this is obviously over quarantine. We're all like trapped in the house. Like, all right, what are we going to do? And, uh, you know, I am half Filipino. And then half Irish and German on the other side. So, so needless happy, to say, I come from a happy one you love line of partiers. Happy, yeah. you love, happy you love to eat. Happy you love to drink. Yes, yes. So you know it. Uh, you know it was just it was the obvious next step. So yeah, we started. Me, my dad, and my brother all started home brewing at my house. Uh, we started just like over quarantine. And uh, honestly, it is like way easier than you would think. It's yeah. it's like a month long process, but it's just literally two days of work. Like it's one day to brew it and get everything ready, like uh, for fermentation. You know, you just get a big pot, you steep some grains, you pour in the malt extracts and the hops and all that stuff, and you you yeah. essentially boil it all together over a period of time. You cool it all off. You put it into a big like bucket essentially like you you know like kind of like what you would get at home depot but you know it's specifically for fermentation you let it ferment you stick it you put it in the bucket you let it ferment for like two weeks after two weeks you bottle it and that's like it takes like an hour to bottle it all and uh but you know you get like i think you get around like 46 to 52 bottles per batch so you know you do that day you wait another two weeks for it to uh uh, what's it called? Carbonize. Get the carbonation. Yep. You find like a little yeast uh, into the whatever it is, and then you bottle it, and that creates the pressure. And after two weeks after that, you have your beer. So it is, you know, it takes a month, but it's literally two days of work. Did you end up with an ale or a lager? Was it dark or light? Um, so we've done, we've, how many beers have we done? I think we've done like six really? or so different kinds of beer. I think we started on a brown ale. Uh, well, we just did a Belgian triple, which I think has been my favorite one so far. It's our Ooh. most recent batch. 
Um, we did how much alcohol content? Um, I think oh, it was the Belgian triple. I actually said just like a Hefeweizen. Oh yeah! Oh oh, we did yeah, we did a Hefeweizen as well. Uh, but yeah, we did that. We did. I think we did uh, like an Irish stout, like almost like a Guinness. Ooh, wow! Or whatever. Yeah, like we we've done a we've done a we've done this one. Uh, oh my god, I forget what it's called, but it's like this like really old beer that used to be famous in Europe back in the day. It's like a raspberry beer almost. I forget what the name is, but it was yeah. like one of the most popular beers in like you're talking like 16, 15th century. And talk about someone like mead, are you? Nah, it wasn't mead. It wasn't mead. I I would have to ask, but it was like, like a raspberry beer. It was really good too. Very different, very different. But, you know, it was... You, the history behind it was like one of the most popular beers. Are you talking about a Fremois? Uh, like a Belgian I don't, Honestly, I could not, I do not remember the name of it. Like, I don't know why it escaped me right now, but I totally forget what it, that it, batch is called. It, it, it could be Bacchus. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a beverage snob. Most would say I, I consider it connoisseur. Um, like it might be Bacchus, but I I actually I homebrew root beer. Oh and really? I, yeah, and I'm 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 trying to figure out. Well, I've been trying to figure out for a very long time how to make a craft cola. Interesting. It's a very very difficult process, but I love I love. That I love that homebrew. Love it absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, you know, because you have like a canned beer and like you know it's fine, but like there is a whole different kind of like it's fresh, you know, like you never be like oh yeah that beer is fresh, but when you do it at home, you do homebrewing, like it does have a certain like like crispness and a freshness to it that you're not gonna get in like your normal off the shelf or you know out of the fridge beer that you get like your supermarket or a liquor store i mean the quality of the hops also has to you know come into play and everything and you know the the extra you know additional flavors you know like some people use orange rind spar anise and you know all, all that good stuff love it yeah there's a lot you can do with it a lot now uh do you have uh one last question yes yeah, with all this beer talk, your nickname's Bougie. So are you bougie with the beer now? Uh, yeah, I guess so. You know, like, I will say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely drinking my Natty Lights and PBRs and Coors Lights and Bud Lights and Budweiser. <laughs> I mean, piss water. Piss water. Piss water. Yeah. <laughs> part here. Definitely Natty Lights. Straight up piss water. I, you know, we, you know, we've all been in high school at one point. And you know that was your best option, but uh, but nowadays, I am definitely a bougie boy when it comes to my alcohol. Like you know, also drink it, but you know, I do, I do prefer what we brew at my house. Like I, we, there's always like a, a stock at my house, so I will prefer to drink mine, like our kind of beer. You know, I do like Corona, I like Modelo, um, but beer and uh, liquor, like you know, I you know I like 
good bourbon. I like good whiskey. I like good gin. I like me a good tequila. Uh, you know, I'll mess around with some Tito's vodka, but you know, I'm oh, definitely oh, more of like a, yeah. But you know, I'll definitely. I'm not trying to drink like bottom shelf anymore. You know, this, I'm only 21, but this, those days are over for me. I'm only drinking at least mid to top. All right. Now, on a more serious note, where do you see yourself in five years? Five years, I will be 26 year old, six years old. I expect to either be, I'm either going to be in New Japan, hmm. I'm either going to be in NXT, or I'm going to be on Impact. But by 26, you know, my ass better have a contract at that point, or have had a contract at that point, even like by that point, I should have had at least like an MLW contract. But uh, by 26, like, you know, that's when things are definitely starting to pick up. Like, that's when I'm definitely starting to get like, you know, booked globally. You know, like I fully expect me doing like UK, Mexico, Canada, Japan. Like, I will be, if I'm not totally signed, I'm still on the Indies, I am definitely a like a a world traveling independent wrestler like i am like you know that's when the athletic prime is really starting to kick off at that point you know like that's when that's when business has already been picked up like at that point i fully expect to be on some form of television or traveling globally every month like that is that is the level I expect to be at. I expect to be at total elite athlete stage by the time I'm 26. And what is a match people should go out of their way to see that best shows off what Griffin McCoy is all about? Ooh, match that would best show what Griffin McCoy is all about. Um, oh man, I just had a really good match this weekend against uh, Smiley. He's a uh, I don't know if you guys know him, but he's like in the New York, New Jersey area mostly. But he's super creative, highly underrated. Wrestling for House of Glory. But um, I just had a match against him at Global Syndicate Wrestling on this past Saturday for a tape, and that's not gonna come out till like Thanksgiving time. But that match was really good. Um, maybe as of recently, what have I done recently? Maybe. Uh, uh, I oh, mean, if you can find that Red Titus match from that Puerto Rican company, that was a really good match. I wrestled a triple threat for H2O against The Whisper and uh, young up-and-comer Reed Walker. That match, you know, you can definitely see what Griffin McCoy is about in that one. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that match. I do a lot of single stuff for Catalyst Wrestling. They're on Fight TV. If you go seek that out, like that will have a lot of good, uh, a lot of good, uh, of my single stuff on there as well. All right. And since we are nearing the conclusion of this interview, we are wrestling with the eight questions of Doom. No actual Doom to be. This is our bonus round, our speed round, the round where we see who you really are. Are you ready, Griffin? Yes, I am. Excluding yourself, greatest wrestler of all time. 
Greatest wrestler of all time. Ooh. I'm gonna have to say everyone says Shawn Michaels or Ric Flair, but like I want to be different. Uh but obviously you, you can't deny that the greatest of all time. Maybe uh you know I will say maybe if like modern era, it might be CM Punk. Because yeah. obviously he just came back to AEW, but like I obviously he got he went viral. And like Sports Center was tweeting about it, uh, Bleacher Report, like news, like avenues, and like like you know, and, like normal sports, like conglomerates and companies were like talking about wrestling, specifically about about CM Punk. And I know for a lot of my generation right now, I know personally for me, like CM Punk is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Like he is what not only got me into like wanting to be a professional wrestler he's what got me uh into like the independent wrestling scene because he would talk about ring of honor and like you know he would reference it and that would drive a lot of people to go find out about the independence so i think maybe i don't know about greatest wrestler of all time but he is definitely like mount rushmore of like modern era wrestling for how like influential he is actually on a wrestling standpoint on a pop culture level you know like at, the, at a certain point like people knew cm punk just as much as john cena uh i think john cena you know if we're going with like a classical answer john cena might be the greatest wrestler of all time just because of of the heights you know he's at right now but i would say either cm punk or john cena are my top two or my top number one tied for greatest wrestler of all time maybe john cena won a cm punk won b Ooh, man, CM Punk, you just made me like, I'm about to go drink to that. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir, yes, sir. Uh, worst wrestler of all time? Worst wrestler of all time? Man, I have been on plenty of shows where I thought I have met the worst wrestler of all time. So, I don't know, maybe on like a nationally televised level, worst wrestler of all time. Oh man, he is really bad. Maybe uh, man, I feel like it's gotta be someone on TNA, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> that I've seen as a as a kid. I'm like, wait, they let that guy on TV? Uh, I don't know. I don't know who was who I really hated as a kid. You know, I really loved Ryback as a kid, but I know everyone does not like him. Like, looking back, I probably would not like Ryback. But he's definitely not the worst wrestler of all time. But, uh, oh, man. Maybe, uh, I don't want to put David Otunga on blast, but, uh, but I never <laughs> understood how David Otunga had a job in wrestling and, like, got him to read. Obviously, he's, like, you know, really articulate and, like, great body. But, like, as a kid, I'm like, how did they let David Otunga take a spot on the WWE roster. Oh, his wife. Yeah. Yeah, probably his <laughs> wife. Probably his wife. But, you know, at that time as a kid, you know, he's probably, probably a super yeah. dope dude. Yeah, right? But yeah, maybe David Otunga might be, might be towards the bottom of the barrel for me. Just personally, though. All right, David Otunga. Now, your main event in WrestleMania for the World Championship, who is your opponent? Oh, man. Um, 
you know, if Bobby Lashley didn't beat Goldberg, I would have loved to beat Goldberg for the championship because, you know, he's like ultimate super boss. So that would have been like, all right, I beat Goldberg. I can't really lose anything else. But I would love to beat Brock Lesnar for the World Heavyweight Championship because no one beats Brock Lesnar. Only Brock Lesnar beats Brock Lesnar. So if I got to, if I beat Brock Lesnar for the World Heavyweight Championship, I would automatically be the most badass wrestler of all time. So, you know, I would love to wrestle and beat, you know, specifically beat Brock Lesnar for the World Heavyweight Championship. Well, we know the only thing that beats Brock Lesnar is genetics. So, there you go. If you could come come out to anyone's entrance music, past or present, who would it be? Oh, Triple H, 100%. Triple H is my... Ooh, you know, I think at this stage of my life, I'm definitely, uh, it's not the game, but one before that where it's like, my time. My yeah, time. My, my time. Is this the one? Yeah, that one. Ooh. I think that's, uh, that's the stage of Triple H I'm at right now, personally. But, uh, but I would love to come out to the game. You know, that's my favorite theme song. Favorite wrestler of all time is Triple H. Oh, yeah. I would, I would love to come out. I, yeah, I used to sing that song every day in the shower before I went to school. You know, like I would have that on, I would play it, I'd you know time my shower to the entire song where I would hit the fucking the water spit, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, and spit some water. Exactly, it's the best part. It's the best part. I spit water in my entrance to this day when I come out because of Triple H. That's awesome. Finish the sentence. K-Fabe is... Uh, oh man. I don't want to say dead. Because... It shouldn't be. Because, you know what, man? As much as, like, fans want to, like, want the curtain to be completely pulled down, no one really wants it to. You know? Like, everyone wants to believe. Like, people watch wrestling not to be like... Oh, I have an inside scoop. Like, you know, the normal person walks into wrestling to be fully submerged into wrestling. Even when I'm wrestling, I am fully submerged into wrestling. Like, I, everything is real to me. Because, you know what? Everything is 100% real. You know, like, you cannot fake the pain. You cannot fake the heartbreak. You cannot fake the hard work. Nothing is fake about professional wrestling. There are people in it who make it fake, but professional wrestling is for is not fake. I have I have the bumps, the bruises, and the scars to prove it. Like so, you know, kayfabe, kayfabe is is in incognito mode right now. You know, it is not <laughs> very prominent, but it is still there. And I think when wrestling. Like, it's going through a little bit of a boom right now. But, you know, when people bring back kayfabe for real, I think that's when wrestling will really take off again. I think that's when it'll become, like, the mainstream stage that it was back in, like, the 90s and the 80s. And even the early 2000s. Like, it was really because of the internet that kayfabe kind of, quote-unquote, died. But I think we can, I think kayfabe can still be revived, just in an alternate form, in a different evolution. I love that answer. 
New Japan wrestler Tai Chi, his ring gear gets smaller every year, revealing more of himself to the world. My question, what is the appropriate trunks to butt cheek ratio for ring gear? <laughs> you know, ma'am, I've been told m- many times in my life that I got a great butt. So I'd probably be a lot more ahead in my wrestling career, at least with the fans, if I showed off my butt more. So, uh, <laughs> but, you know, if if you're a dude, though, man, like, you know, there's a lot of wrestlers out here. There's some ugly dudes. Like, I do not want to see your hairy butt. Like, you got, like, you may shave your thighs, but you do not shave your butt, dude. Like, I know that for a fact. I can see that. So, if you're a guy, man, you got you to gotta be able to, like, do a deep squat, and it doesn't go past your cheeks. You know, like, you got to be able to move around. And doesn't ride up all the way up your butt crack, but you know, if you're a female, like you know, I, <laughs> time for these ladies, like that is their money maker. You can have that ride up as as short as you like. You know, I, I am not, oh. you know, that, that's your money right there. So you can do what you gotta do. It's all good to me. But if you're a guy, and you know, fortunately, if you're a guy who doesn't shave his butt, like, you know, you you better have that covered. <laughs> you know, like. If you're going to have that right up, you know, like, you know, all, all power to you. But, you know, I better not be looking at one hairy asshole. That's all I'm going to say. And the last question, the main event, the thing everybody wants to know. Have you ever had a conversation with a stranger in a supermarket about Darby Allen? But Darby Allen, no. Not Darby Allen, but professional wrestling, yes. And that is the correct answer. And that will conclude this interview. Thank you so much, Griffin, for coming on and doing this with us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And once again, where can we find you on social media, your merchandise, and everything in between? Yes, so I am on Instagram and Twitter. I'm also on Facebook too, but that's basically if you're a promoter, you can hit me up on Facebook. But uh, Instagram and Twitter, I'm at the Griffin McCoy, all one word. Uh, for bookings or for merchandise, you can either hit me up on my social media or you can hit me up on my email, griffin.mccoysf uh, at gmail.com. And that can be for my booking and my merchandise. And you don't even have to look for it. it. It All of that will be in the description of the video below, both on YouTube and CastBox. You've been listening to him for two hours. By a damn shirt. <laughs> wow, two hours. Yeah, yeah, you can buy a damn shirt. That's, that's damn straight. <laughs> They're nice shirts, man. I, I will tell you what. I have had many a female compliment by, you know, they have, you know the ladies like my shirt. So that's all I'm going to say. It might help you out one day. If it does, you don't have to thank me. I already know. <laughs> and if you like what we're doing, please like, subscribe, comment, put on YouTube and CastBox. If this episode was sponsored by Rogue Energy, use promo code Wrestling with E. Um, ne- join us next Wednesday as we interview Keith for our tech. So you do not want to miss that. Uh, you can follow the show uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Wrestling with E, and you can follow us individually as well. I am at James J nine nine three, 
Where can they find Coleco? You can find me running like hell from Brock Lesnar in Las Vegas at I am Coleco. And where can they find Scooter? You can always find me at Scooter Dust on Twitter, and of course, join me and Rico Casatino Jr. on Twitch, twitch.tv backslash Smoking Dragons. Now, uh, Griffin, when I say wrestling wit, you say entertainment. Gotcha. For our very special guest, Griffin McCoy, Scooter Dust, Coleco Yachts, I'm James J, and this has been Wrestling Wit. Entertainment. Hey, folks, this is the Colossal Mike Law, and you are listening to Wrestling With Entertainment. Enjoy the show. Support these guys. We appreciate it very much. We'll see you at ringside.